possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. So welcome to the RTJ podcast. Rory O'Neill is my name, sitting in for Jackie for what I hope will be the last time. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to another brilliant weekend's hurling. We've got Owen Ryan from online and Jackie Tyrrell from uh, Farmer Kilkenny. Obviously, All-Ireland winning captain. Actually, Jackie, you'll get a laugh out of this. I was doing an old Kahoot quiz there the other day. And part of the questions that popped up were uh, a round of All-Ireland winning captains. And who pops up? And it brought back lots of painful memories all over again, Jackie. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that famous day in 06 was actually only yeah. funny the weekend. I was on, obviously, the live with Don Logue down in Cork. And what game we were watching? We were actually watch, watching the game in Nolan Park to Kenny and Galway. And they zoomed in. I think someone was taking a sideline at one stage. Don Logue goes, that grass is very long there, isn't it? I said, don't you start again. <laughs> <by your broken. laughs> the long grass. Like, all the lads to say it, he, he forgot who he was yeah. talking about. Were, oh, yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, you were waiting in the long grass figuratively and literally. So, uh, right. yeah. um, no, look, I'm going to start today, lads, <laughs> just slightly tangential. And just going to throw something out there. Uh, look, I mean, it's... Uh, an interesting discussion point because it was something that was picked up on in the aftermath of the Watford Limerick game, particularly John Kiley made reference in one of his post-match interviews, which I didn't really see too many people pick up on, but I think sometimes you can, you can pick up on little things that managers say, and they can hint at maybe, you know, different aspects that might've been displayed, you know, displeasing to them from, for, to a certain extent, but he did mention about ball and play after the Waterford Limerick game and how low it was and how stop-start the entire game was and how difficult it was to kind of, as we say in hurling, let the game flow. So as a means of, you know, just because it was, I was curious. So I went back and had a look at it. Now, there are, in stoppages terms, puck outs, line balls, reds and yellows, freeze penalties, 65s, Hawkeye, bash balls, injuries and subs. Now, in that game, there were 57 puck outs, 15 line balls, 12 reds and yellows, 26 freeze, four Hawkeyes, one bash ball, two injury delays and six substitutions. Maybe seven, actually. I might have missed one. So that's 123 stoppages across a 70-minute game. So the ball in the first half was only in play for 14 minutes and 48 seconds. Think about that, right? The second half, which was seven minutes longer, was even worse. It was only 14 minutes and 54 seconds. Like People, people nearly had right to ask for a partial refund. So this is the theory. And I'm just going to throw it out there, Jackie, and see what you think. But I do think it's more prevalent than ever. And I actually think it's four points for a goal. I know you're going to say, what's that going to have? What kind of effect is that going to have on, um, on ball and play time? But I think the first thing anyway, really, is that it's the simplest of rule changes to implement. It doesn't require any fundamental shift in how the game is refereed. I know you were on the show on the Saturday game talking about two consecutive hand passes and Puckett's going past the 45, but this is just an extra point for a goal, so it's, 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 it's tidy. Now, if you look at the way hurling is played now, right, 
And I do think people do need to be slightly more introspective about assessing the aesthetics of the game. It's puck out, bish, bash, bosh, ball breaks, shot, repeat. Now, the, the spectacle of the game has become patchy, right? Now, will it fix that? No, but it might help. And what's the worst that could happen if it was tried in the league? I mean, we look for meaning in the league. Imagine the excitement around it next year if this was in on a trial basis, four points for a goal. And if football wants to continue with three points, let him off. But the first thing you would hope is that it would encourage teams to reduce the pot shots from distance. It won't eradicate that either, right? But it might reduce them. It'll mean teams will be encouraged to keep more players out of that middle third and maybe more slightly further forward because that middle third is a big problem in a lot of games. Huge numbers traffics-wise, huge numbers of contact, and then hence more fouls and more frees. This might help stretch the play out a bit. Plus, there's a basic problem with, with the value of a goal in that it can be wiped out so quickly. I mean, Tip Clare two weeks ago, right? Clare scored a goal. Tip scored two points. They had two points on the board within a minute, and it was effectively a burst balloon. And if you look at other sports, wasn't a try only worth four points in rugby once upon a time? I don't know. What's the worst that could happen, Jack? When you frame it like that, Rory, you would think... Why shouldn't we do this? And I suppose you have to think, what are the drawbacks? And initially, I can't come up with any. And when you think, right, four points per goal, how is that going to stop the ball? How is that going to encourage more ball and play time? And I, and I think the way you've you've grafted out, there's indirect consequences that will have the ball and play more. And I think that it'll also help with what I was on about in the Sunday game where the continuous use of the hand pass and because possession is so key now people are afraid to give it give it away but I think there might be a bit more flahulock with the ball if there's an incentive of a four pointer instead of because what you see is half back around the middle of the field they get the ball they go across they go lateral they look up there's not a whole lot on but sometimes and even though it's a weekend with Galway they went very direct I definitely think it's worth something very looking at definitely looking strongly at and as you say, the league is kind of a dead duck nearly at this stage. Trial it. What's the worst it'll be? It'll be a talking point among us. If it works, it's great. If it falls flat in his face, we can just move on from it. It's definitely something to be looked at. Um, and like it was, it, it kind of goes in power with you give two points for a sideline, that whole conversation as well. I definitely think if you look across the games, you look at Kilkenny were utterly dominant against Westmead. Didn't score a goal. Didn't really threaten it. I look didn't Cork care maybe didn't, didn't need it did, yeah maybe Cork, Cork didn't score a goal the weekend am I right in saying no, that no goal didn't really threaten had a few you know half chances and once again we've seen how dominant they were so teams have become so obsessed with points and keeping the ticket and look you look at Limerick going back a couple of years they were happy if people drop bodies back we'll keep over 30 points we'll win the game lads we'll win it from 60 yards plus so I'd be all in, in, in favour of innovative ideas and I definitely agree. This is one worry. What do you think, Owen? Yeah, I think it's I think it's worth trialing. I think you know we've we've seen the average of goals scored kind of declining over the last ten or twenty years, and and points going the opposite direction. Points going the opposite way. We had. I was just looking back there. I think it was Galway did it first. So Galway in twenty seventeen won the All Ireland, and I think they scored two goals, and they were both in the same game. Hmm. So and Limerick have done it. 
to a slightly less extent won multiple All-Irelands, not really needing goals. And it is probably the most exciting part of the game. So I think it is worth trialing something to maybe encourage that more. I'd also, at the same time, trial instead of a 65, you get a sideline, maybe a sideline from the 20 even to encourage people to shoot. I think that could be worth doing as well. Um, I'd also like to know, Rory, exactly how long it took you to work out how long the ball was in play. Did you have a stopwatch? Did you have a stopwatch on yourself? Yeah, yes, I did. That was that was a tedious part, but look, sure, we did I it for the we did it for cause. That's Rory. Staggering. Staggering. The balls only play fourteen minutes, either half. Either half. It is. It is it's shocking. Like, and I mean. I don't necessarily think it's got anything to do with the slitter, by the way. And I know people do make reference to that, the slitter. When I asked Pat Daly about this a couple of years ago, when, when I first started looking at it, and Pat said the slitter hasn't changed in weight. What has changed is technique. The bo- the hurlies have changed, that he accepts that. And the boss that on some of the hurlies that the lads are using are definitely illegal. Well, take a look at Patrick Horgan's, you know. They're all, um, they're all, they're all illegal. Yeah, so, but but also what's changed in a massive way is the strength and the power and the precision with which lads can actually strike the ball. Now, you can just strike from so much more, dis- so much more, so much further out and bigger distances. And I, I don't know, I just, I mean, look, if you're looking to try and encourage contests, I think what, if you tried it in the National League, at least you'd maybe generate some data and you could make a definitive decision. It's not this massive culture shift. Okay, a four-pointer becomes a three-pointer. Or we lost the league game as a result of it being four points, but now it's only three points. Well, who cares about losing league games? You know? Rory, a question for you, and you've obviously done a deep dive on it and, and, and a root and branch kind of review. Can you see any potential drawbacks from it or any issues or frustrations that may lead well there is i suppose the potential that if it, you put a bigger premium on a goal you may encourage teams to become slightly more defensive and say well we're definitely not going to concede goals today lads but to, to do that you've got to sit back jackie mm-hmm. and in hurling you'll just get picked off this is the beauty of hurling that football doesn't have in a luxury because football can put 15 lads in behind the ball you still have to work your way through that you don't need to do that in hurling mm-hmm. so if you mm-hmm. sit back and say, right, we're not going to concede goals. Grand job. You know, we'll pick you off. Get the snipers out. Boom, boom. Game over. Could you see then a situation where teams are drawn back to the Christy Heffern and big man on the edge of the square? This is it. This is exactly yeah. what I'm thinking. You know, I think the, the bear in the square comes back. Jackie, you could make a comeback. Yeah, we said, I want one end and Kevin Hennessy from Cork at the other end. <laughs> um, would, we uh, see, would we see then maybe more black cards as well you know I thought it was interesting a couple of weeks ago Brian Lone was saying after the Clare Tip game he kind of made it was kind of a throwaway comment after he said oh, we seem to be the only team that gets black cards you know you could kind of dismiss that as losing manager but at the same time I was trying to think the last black card I know it's not a black card in Ireland the last goal scoring opportunity punished in Munster probably was the Aidan McCarthy Jake Morris thing it almost doesn't happen in championship if you think of Clare Wexford last year in Torles when Lee Chin went in around Keane there's a Keane Noel and, and he pulled him down and he got away with it so they escape one that way I suppose probably to your point on the high profile one of the Ed McCarthy one down in down, down, down the Gaelic rounds where it was nearer to the Ennis Road than it was the actual goal yeah. so he did seem to be within that time alright he seemed to be punished more than others but 
the Black Arrow is a very interesting one. It kind of goes missing for a couple of months, and next thing you're coming to it again. Yeah, it's like the um, it's like a hidden rule, and it just yeah. I don't know. We kind of forget about it next thing. Oh, lads, we better enforce this again. You know. Yeah. Well, the um, funny the funny thing about it is that it's so vaguely framed. It's like if you pull a lad down, it's a penalty, or if you trip him. But if you just hold on to him, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, if you tug his jersey, or yeah, yeah, or hold hold or pull the jersey, yeah. so all you have to do is foul him in the right way, and you're okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So look, I don't know. I mean, I just think even the back ends of games. I mean, if if, if you're four points up, you're still not safe. Like if you're four points up in the current climate, that's a two score game minimum, and it's like goals are hard to get. Let's be honest. But if you're four points up going down the home stretch. You're still not home and host. I think it'll add just a little bit of a frisson to the back ends mm-hmm. of matches as well. And it'll give teams hope that, look, you know, keep going to the final missile. You'll never know. I think it should, it should give it a rattle in the league. Mm-hmm. Develop data. See what kind of patterns emerge. And mm-hmm. if, if, you, if people feel, look, it didn't really add anything and then the law of unintended consequences kicked in, and as a result, made the game worse, then sure, look, just abandon it for championship. It's not necessarily this massive culture shift. All you're doing is putting a numerical value mm. on something that already exists, but just increasing it in value. And in an era of high inflation, why not? You know, everything else is going up in price. But um, let's move it on, lads. Uh, well, well, I'd say the only pushback you'll say, I'd say the fullback unions will get together and say, ah, yeah. ah, lads. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, and speaking of the fullback unions, Jackie, Dreadful news for Limerick. Really dreadful news. Ah, Rory, it's it's Desperate. like, like it's like you're dead to the family, really. Yeah. That that news of Sean Finn yesterday. I mean, we Keen Lynch last year, you had Sean Finn. I mean, I feel the best defender in the country and possibly has been for the last four or five years. I know Mikey Butler got the all-star last year, but there was tip for tap between the two of them. But what a blow this guy is. And there just seems to be unfortunately a bit of a curse with that Limerick full back line. If you think of the guys that have gone down with Mike mm. Casey with an ACL and Richie English, but this guy just goes about his business so quietly, probably doesn't get the the pearly lights of, you know, the Garrod Hagerty's and Keen Inch, but this lad is so important, Sean Finn, an outstanding defender, has all the raw materials. And I think I commented here before, I think the toughest time he's ever got was off Alan Cadigan below. Uh, they played uh, in Gaelic grounds, they played a month around. I think he only got him two points off him before. He just... He's just, uh, there'll be a lot of corner forwards relieved in, 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 uh, this morning that he's not around for a year because he's, without doubt, the best defender. Massive loss to the game and obviously to Limerick and to John Kiley's plans. You did a great piece of him. Was that for the all I've just dropped off my head, Jackie. Was it for the All-Stars or was it for the RT Sport Awards? I can't remember no, which. It was for the All-Stars and there was one yeah, question. It was a great about, piece. Like, I thought, I was really, I was, I found that fascinating. No, it was a fantastic piece and, and, it was just, he's got a brilliant personality. And like, I suppose that's the one thing that you kind of say, you from his point of view, I'd say he'd be full of positivity and you just hope that he'll recover and get back, really, wouldn't you? Oh, of course you would. And a lovely lad, as you say, real mm. bubbly and that. And I always remember when they played Watford and I'd never seen, I'd never seen him kind of been done or, and Desi Hutchinson got a ball, flicked it over his head and hit it over the bar and I said, oh, we learned something about Sean Finn here. Anyway, Sean Finn just came back outstanding. But I was mad to ask him about And I asked him about it and he was just like, no, I just reset. It was the next ball. I was going to win the next ball. And I think that attitude is just sums him up, really. He's very, very level-headed. He's grounded. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. Although that didn't look good from that day, he just rebounded so, 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 so quickly and so well. And I expect him, you know... 
I won't say to come back stronger because I don't know if he can physically come back any stronger yeah. or from a performance point of view. But I expect to come um, to come back and be back in that number two jersey for Limerick next year and as good as ever before. It gives John Kiley a selection conundrum, but does it then at the same time on with you? You know they had a kind of a four into three scenario in their full back line to begin with Barry Nash, Dan Marcy, and oh. and um, geez, who's in the other corner? Barry Nash. Barry Nash, Dan Marcy, and Mike Casey, Mike Casey, Mike Casey Richie, of Richie, yeah, Richie, Richie English, Richie English, yeah, yeah. So I suppose they have they have the depth really to cope, wouldn't they, Owen? You would you would think so, yeah. I mean, as you said, they kind of already had some very good players that were being left out, so they have that to step in. I mean, no matter how good whoever comes in is, as Jackie said, Sean Finn has probably been the best defender in the country over the last five years. Um, but we saw against Limerick last year, without Keane Lynch, without Peter Casey, without Mike Casey for a couple of years before, they are able to cope with losing the big players and still win. So they'll probably be okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they will. And um, there won't be too many worrying about them just yet, I'd imagine. But getting on to this weekend, and speaking of worry, the, wor- the, wor- the worry has kicked in, Jackie. Cork tip, massive crowd. Uh, a good friend of mine, and this will probably annoy you know, but I'm going to say it anyway. A good friend of mine described it as the Liverpool versus Manchester United of hurling in that no matter where the two teams are or no matter what stage of their season they're in, it's still the biggest game in hurling in terms of the tradition, the history behind it. And regardless of where the two teams might be in the national conversation. And funnily enough, this year, maybe both of both, well, certainly Tipperary are, and it just promises to be close enough to full and Saturday night down in Cork, you know, hopefully an epic. What do you think, Jack? It's as good as it gets, Rory. No, I, I agree with you. You couldn't contend, you know, when you say the words Cork and Tip, you think of all the great games that have gone down through the years. You think of the colour. You think of the characters from both sides within it. Uh, <clears throat> I would like to think, I, I feel that Tipperary are a little more progressed than Cork. Cork, due to their no fault their own, are still a little unknown because they got such a facile test last week. They passed out with flying colours. They ticked a lot of boxes. They had some debutants. Dickie Dalton, now a half forward. Patrick Horgan seems to have a bit, bit of zip back in him. Brian Roach is a huge plus for him. Um, and I made this point the weekend. He's a very uncork like player. Who's, he's a very gritty kind of uh, hard-working, kind of very simplistic hurler, which I think Cork probably might have overlooked before. And maybe this is kudos to, to Pat Ryan. I feel Tipperary are a bit more rugged at the minute. Uh, they've had a better league um, and had a really good performance against, against uh, uh, Clare. But that being said... Harker at home, they're riding the crest of a wave. Um, it's very nicely poised. I even like the fact that it's on a Saturday evening. I just think that'll add to it, add to the occasion, add to the crowd as well. Um, and it's just going to be it's just going to be very mouthwatering with a lot on the line for both teams. The Cork team was named, obviously, last night, as was the Tip team. Now, we didn't see any changes in Tipperary, but given the non-availability of Owen Downey the first day out due to suspension and obviously the performance of Robbie O'Flynn when he came on against Waterford, were you surprised that these guys didn't come in to the team, Jackie, for Saturday night? 
to Robbie O'Flynn, I wasn't really because as, as a set of six forwards, you know, you looked at them, they were pretty again, good again, Walford. Be very hard to drop any of them. Look, he's probably still trying to find out about Decky Dalton. So he didn't really get a test last week. So you have to stick with him. The older guard, as I say, Conor Lehan, uh, Patrick Horgan, Seamus Harney, they all fronted up really well. I mean, Darfitz Fitzgibbon was close enough to being man of the match. So I didn't, the own downy one, although the full back line was excellent, I thought because they invested so much in the league, they might look at bringing him back in. Um, now, it would be quite harsh on who would you drop. Look, I don't think Nile O'Leary would be dropped because he's the captain. Damien Cahillan was quite strong. Um, so it, it's a tricky one for them, but I thought they would look at Owen Downey. I really did, because it looked like he had all the attributes to be a full-back for Cork. Kieran Joyce has locked down the six, and he's going to get a fair test the weekend, whether it be if he was in there on Jason Ford. I see Seamus Cannon is back on the bench. Hmm. Um, so I was a little surprised by that. I understand why uh, uh, um, Pat Ryan doesn't change his team, but I think if you're looking further down the, the, the road... Will that full back line get it done in the Munster final? Will it get it done in Crow Park and all Ireland semi-finals? I'd still have question marks over it. And you still have Sean O'Donoghue to come back. And you've got the likes of Owen, you've got the likes of Jake Morris and Jason Ford, goal-hungry, tip-forwards. Mm. Not exactly a, a new phenomenon, let's be honest. And then, as Jackie mentioned, Shamie Cal coming off the bench. There's, a, there's been a remarkable turnaround in Tipperary's fortunes, given the fact that in last year's round robin they didn't win a match and now all of a sudden you know no there, there's no gimme and there, there's no guarantee they'll even they will or cork will or any team will get out of munster the way things are lining up at the minute but it's some turnaround by liam cahill to take them from a situation where you lost all four matches in the round robin to going down to ennis and winning and now coming down to cork and most people backing them and feeling that they're potentially favorites coming into saturday night uh, you're trying to you're trying to big them up now, Rory. But I think they are. I think they, they must be fair. Surely, if they've if they've beaten Clare and Ennis, and Cork have beaten a very below par Watford, I don't necessarily think that's be playing any sense of. Have a Rory Cork or Cork. <laughs> <laughs> you can be damn sure that Jackie did. I, I'd say I'd say with Cork at home, they probably still slight favourites, or at least at least even as you said, Tip's form is more impressive because they beat Clare, who then beat Limerick, and we don't really know. You know, Waterford. But then Waterford gave Limerick a good go, where they just really tired the last day when Cork were fresh. We're going to have two fairly fresh teams. You'd expect Tip maybe to be slightly fresher now. Um, it is an interesting turnaround. You'd feel a bit sorry for Bonner in that I think he started the introduction of the, the young lads that had kind of been needed for a couple of years. He started that last year and Liam, and Liam Cahill has kind of accelerated it. Um, it is interesting to see Shamie Callan back on the bench. Bonner wasn't used the last day. Noel McGrath seems to just be ageless. He seems to yeah. be as good as he ever was. Um and then we saw the Cork lads, Patrick Horgan, by the way, at 35 today. So we, we happy birthday, Huggy. It's a happy birthday to him, yeah. And then Lahan and Harnady still going. So it's a very interesting mix. Um, I'd like to know, I'd like to ask Jackie, what does he think of the kind of new look tip full back lines? You have Johnny Ryan and you have Mikey Breen. How does he think that's going a fullback? I still have the jury out on Mikey Breen to a certain extent. Um, and look, the way they defend, they almost they're very flexible within it, within it own. Johnny Ryan has been really, really good, very pacey guy. I suppose having Carl Barrett just gives them that stability there. 
you have a, you have a, you have a man marker there. We see the job he did on, on Tony Kelly. But I will say, as a as a group of six, they do offer themselves some really good protection. Uh, Brian O'Mara, it's a new look tip defence with Brian O'Mara, Ron O'Mara. There's a nice mix of mm. a, a bit of use and also some experience in Ron O'Mara and Cottle Barrett. Mikey Breen, <clears throat> look, he's done re- he's done really well so far. He offers pace and strength. I just would worry about the know-how of being defending as a three. I know he's had some previous underage experience, but I've tried to transition from four to three. I've struggled. Paul Murphy tried it, has struggled. Porrick Marr even did it for Tipperary and struggled. It's a completely different dynamic going from a five or a seven or even a four or two into three. Only JJ's JJ's about the only one that I know that kind of but like I mean you're talking special in that scenario, Jackie, aren't you? Yeah, you're talking talking real, real elite defenders. Um, and it's very hard to do. Dan Boris, he done it really, really well mm. for, for Limerick and actually won an all-star. It's just he probably only had a year there and then moved out because Mike Casey. So you can't forget the job he did. Um, and the difference is at wing back or cornerback. You have a license to attack the ball. You have a license kind of roam forward at full back. It's a different mentality. It's it's and, and and when you're playing on the wings, the ball is generally coming from one area. So you're kind of defending one side of the field, whereas full back it's both. So it's a completely different concept. Um, and I wouldn't totally sign off on Michael Breen just yet. I wouldn't be surprised if Ronan Marin's up there if we if, if we get if we get to the latter stage of the championship. Look, he's, he's passed all the tests uh, up to date. Maybe I'm being a bit overcritical on him, but I just think um, teams might look at a, an opportunity to get at him a bit more. I know Ronan Marr is probably another one that we put into that category because he did an outstanding job in 19 going back there and actually won an All-Star. So, um, yeah, kind, kind of like that slogan, a lot done, more to do on. Would you be I, losing then, though, Ronan Mars' threat, scoring threat, distribution from, from the wing-backs? Well, I will say one thing on Ronan Mars' scoring threat. I think the further away from goal, further away from the opposition goal, the better. Outstanding striker, but for every 10 balls he hits, one of them goes over the bar. And I'd say Liam Cal has banned him from striking. This guy has a serious slap on a ball, but it, it, his accuracy is so, so poor. And I've actually noticed that he has tapered off a bit. His distribution is excellent. I've no doubt about it. I, but I still feel from a full-back position, his distribution can still influence a game. As regards to scoring threat, I, 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 remain, I remain neutral on that. I don't think he, for, for all the bang of all bustling and coming out with balls, a lot of those balls taper off wide. And, I, and, and, and I'd like to see it on stats on his conversion rates because there's nothing more deflating than a half-back coming out Good position, deliver ball, hits a launch ball, and it goes wide. It just kind of kills it a bit. So, um, I'd say uh, Liam Cal has banned him from shooting. In a Tipperary context as well, Jackie, the one of the big players, and um, I saw, I think it was Donica Boyle had a fantastic piece in the Irish Independent about Alan Tynan and his journey to becoming a Tipperary hurler, which was, you know, uh, slightly circuitous. And he went down a rugby route, and I think he was uh, excellent at some other sports. He's been a huge plus for Liam Cal. Oh, he's been massive. I would love Owen Tynan to be from Kilkenny. Yeah. I think he'd suit that. You could play him half-forward midfield, mad for work, hugely physical, hugely pacey, can knock a few pints over the bar. He's exactly, he's a clone of what Liam Cal. I'd say if Liam Cal sat down at the start of the year and said, drop my prototype hurler, yeah. I want integrate, integrate him. I'd say he'd pick a lad five foot ten, 
built like a, a, a shipwreck house yeah. to take a few points and will cover serious ground. And I, Alan Tynan pops up and he just he just fits it so well. So he's a huge plus. Garrod O'Connor is another huge plus. Sent Brian O'Mara. Like you're looking at, he's after putting his six in, seamless. He's after integrating Alan Tynan. Connor Stakeland didn't start the last year. I like this lad a lot. He's back in the weekend. I'm surprised he didn't start. So he's, 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 it's probably, Tipperary are probably, with corporate, I said I put Tipperary to have integrated the most new talent in, and we were always where are these new twenties coming? They lost Paddy Cadell, Barry Heffernan has has been injured, and Liam Cal just plucks out these little gems in Brian O'Mara, Alan Tyne, and Garrod O'Connor, Colin Sta- Connor Stakelin, and off they go and marry them in as we say with the Shamies, the Noel McGraths, and the Bonners, and they've a lovely, lovely blend of youth and experience. Jackie, what? do you do you think that Liam Cal has deliberately gone for a bit of beef? in the likes of Tynan and O'Connor to compete with Limerick and Clare and the, the big hits? Uh, you better believe it. Like, you have to, you have to, when you're you're looking at your player profile, uh, you all have to have Limerick in the back of your mind, particularly if you're a monster going, look, we're going to come up against Limerick. We need meeting around the middle third. We need lads that are going to be able to stand up to these guys. And you've seen Alan Tynan before a ball was shot in and there's a bit of, there's a, there's a bit of divilment in these lads. So I would say definitely... And Liam Cal, we know what his principles are. We know he's massive on hard work, physicality, intensity. Alan Tynan ticks all those boxes. Garrod O'Connor is a hugely physical and able to win his own ball. So you can be sure of it. That was part of the DNA when he was trying to unearth talent, new talent in Tipperary. I'd expect it to be physical, but not necessarily in the way that Claire Limerick was. And Cork tip games generally, Jackie, I wouldn't necessarily say there's a looseness about them, but they tend to be very skills-based. Two teams that, generally speaking, again, are very proficient in the basics. And, you know, you're probably going to see a lot of stylish hurling, and that kind of feeds into, into the traditions of the fixture. So is that the kind of game that you see Saturday night? And who do you see coming out on top? That is traditionally, but I, I think I think it'll be a lot more physical than than we think. I understand your concept on it, Rory, but I just think Liam Cal brings physicality to most games. You even think of that Waterford team. They were very, very physical. Sometimes they went too hard. You think of the Limerick game where they threw everything at them for 10 or 15 minutes and then died at this. That I don't think he knows any difference on the bring a massive. I think that's the starting point for this this. Tipperary team and Cork will need to match that and Cork are quite physical when they want to be they, it, they wouldn't, it wouldn't be the first thing that they go to their go-to would be their hurling their speed their use of space but I do expect it to be quite physical and I expect Tipperary to just look at the line Rory What do you think Owen uh, in terms of the game the contest what we're likely to see and who's going to win Yeah I think as Jackie said maybe, maybe less maybe not as tight as Clare Limerick so probably higher scoring but still Still plenty of hits. Um, I think it's completely set on the fence. I think it's fairly even. I, I know you're saying you'd have Chip as favourites. Maybe very slight favourites for me. They're going to go for draw? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the classic set on the fence. It is a very significant fixture, though, I suppose, from a Cork perspective. Anyway, for a start, if they lose, it's Ennis. And well, who, the Gaelic, who, Ennis and the Gaelic grounds. Uh, I don't, you know. Whoever gets whoever gets through should get whoever wins should get out of Munster. Yeah, you'd hope, you know, yeah. but it, like the way things are panning out. I mean, I think Tipperary's next fixture after this is 
uh, is Limerick, isn't it? So Limerick you know, and Waterford at home last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So that that that'll be tricky enough. But um, we'll you shift. Might need five points, would you, lads? You, you, you may do, like yeah. you may do, and scoring averages could come into it, and everything. Mm. They all seem to be capable of beating each other, with the exception of Waterford at the minute. And who knows? You might get a spark there yet. But we'll shift gears to Leinster, Dublin, Wexford, two teams maybe not exactly operating four sheets to the wind at the peak of their powers, but without any doubt, I would imagine, Jackie, the most important game in both their seasons on Saturday. Yeah, I'd agree. I think you've set it up lovely there, Laurie. I think both are probably, I won't say struggling, but not firing on all cylinders. Dublin are definitely rebuilding because they had a bit of a, an exodus post Michal O'Donoghue getting the job. Um, Wexford just seemed to be struggling off the back of a poor league that was littered with injuries and wides. So they're kind of struggling to get up and running, although they had a they had a decent win the last round. So And maybe it's a good time for both of them to be, we say, stumbling upon each other because it's such a massive game. And, you know, we, we always heard in, in, in Premiership a, a real six-pointer when it came to relegation. This is a real four-pointer and it'll have a massive swing. And just looking at their last three times they met, you know, it's been really tight. Dublin won one, uh, Wexford won one. I think there was a draw and there's always only been a couple of points uh, between them. Excuse me. So... It's nicely poised. It really is. Um, how fit is Lee Chin is, you know, probably only Darry Egan can answer that question. Um, and I just feel Dublin are just starting. I think Dublin are probably in a slightly better place than Wexford. Um, the last day, they just seem to be a little slicker and things like that. One surprising thing, I would like to have seen a bit more of, of Owen O'Donnell so far this year. Um, I thought I thought against Antrim he was quite subdued and the last game he just he doesn't seem to have the same pep in his step. Um I don't know if he needs to come to six. That's what maybe, I was thinking. Yeah, do, do, you, do you push him do you push him out to the half back line and try I, and I would get him into the play? Maybe looking at a Paddy Smith, Keno Callan is obviously gone, so he's a bit of a loss. And maybe Mihal is quite worried about that. But look, I feel Paddy Smith could do a really good job in there as well. Um, but I just think him and, and Donald Burke are too pivotal for, for Dublin. You need you need Owen Donald operating at an eight or nine out of ten. And at the minute for me, I'd like to see a bit more of them. So that's probably something that's probably me all his time with. Um but Donald Burke and one thing Wexford do have, they do have able man markers in the wrecks and Simon Dunn who's able to do a decent job. So can can one of those shut down Donald Burke? And if they do, that could be key in this game. Uh a bit made a little bit made about the venue and the fact that Dublin chose to move this game to Croke Park on. Yeah. I, don't, I, mean, I, don't, I mean, is it significant? Parnell Park is the natural home for Dublin hurling, granted. But I don't know. I think sometimes is there may be too much of a big deal made of this. Uh, would it have any significant effect on the result? And is it advantage Wexford as a result? I'm not so sure. I think it has to be a slight advantage to Wexford when you have okay. a packed stadium roaring on. I mean, Crow Park, if there's less than 40,000 in Crow Park, there's no atmosphere. You know, it, the noise all goes out the hill end. Um, how many would we expect tomorrow? 15, maybe? We're doing well now. It's uh, well, Wexford will probably come up and Wexford will have big numbers because they have fantastic support. So I, mm. I would imagine they'll get to 15 anyway. Yeah. Mm. But so it's. It's it's not going to have the same kind of intensity that it would have in Parnell Park or even 
you're going to have a lot more probably even Wexford than Tip whereas you would have expected more the other way or sorry than Dublin you would have expected the other way around so it's got to be a bit of a boost for Wexford I think um, I thought what's the bit, reasoning what would you say the reasoning was behind moving it there it's a hard one to know did they was it anything to do with you know wanted to maybe play a different style or something and thought that the bigger I, 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 I'd say it's a pace thing Rory I'd say if you look if they're playing in parallel and I agree with Owen you do lose that home support and it becomes a 50-50 in court park but if you lose if you look Chris Crummy's gone hugely physical Liam Rush is gone hugely physical Sean Moran Keane Callan all big men and in Parnell Park, physicality is probably an awful lot more prevalent than the wide open space of Crow Park. And probably maybe the profile of this Dublin team has changed. And maybe it's something that Michal has gone for, a more pacier element to this team. So that maybe he's like, you know what, we lose a bit of the home support, but we might gain it in the open surrounds of Crow Park and feed into our game a bit more. I think that's potentially why they might have, might have changed. How, and if, if I'm Wexford, I'd rather be going to Co Park. Those stay, those dressing rooms. You can't even fit one team in one of the st- in one of the dressing rooms, and it just has that old dirty feel to Parnell Park. I like it. I've always loved Parnell Park. Now I think it's a real cause. It's a great venue. Yeah, yeah. It's a great venue. Terrible to play in it, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How do you see this one panning out, on? Yes, yeah. As Jackie said, maybe Dublin looked slightly slicker last week. You'd, you'd be worried for Wexford that they felt the need to play Lee Chin with an injury against Antrim. That kind of showed hmm. that they felt under pressure. But then again, a lot of people were tipping Antrim to, you know, finally get that big win, and they didn't. So I don't know. I think where Wexford maybe could could surprise us. Okay, can I ask you on that, Jackie? And I'm, that was something popped into my head or, uh, during the week that I'd love to ask you because I'd imagine it's definitely something that I probably came across, you came across in your career. Does an intercounty hurler ever go onto the field 100% feeling in the hail of his health? Are you always going out with a niggle of some sort, a sore, a bit of a sore elbow or a sore backside or sore something? I mean, are you ever really 100% peak health wise I could say if you say I never was Rory um, and the challenge always was to get as close to 100% there was always now maybe I was a bit fussy or something like that there was always something wrong with you whether mm. it was at and from not sleeping great last night maybe not eating as much as an army would to maybe hurting your hamstring a couple of weeks ago and you're still not 100 you're, you've passed the fitness test but you're still not maybe something to get in a belt in your hand that week and when you catch a ball it stings so like you know I, I never felt 100% where everything was spot on and sometimes it was stuff outside of hurling you know workers just got too busy and it's so it's a 100% physical and mentally never never sometimes there was some mental stuff going on maybe in your head some doubts poor game the last day maybe a poor training session in the lead up to it sometimes it was a physical thing you're carrying a knock or things like that but the challenge always was to get as close to 100% physically and mentally. But no, I can safely say I never felt that I was 100% uh, uh, re- re- really, really perfect in every way. There was times where I was really close, but there was I, I, I could never say I was. And then there was times, like I remember playing in 2013, again, Tipperary, 
oh god i'd say if i was 65 percent, I, I i was I, I was probably doing myself justice i was riddled with doubts i didn't think i'd see half time i had a torn quad again awfully in the first round it wasn't right i had a big strap on it i didn't feel right at all but somehow we just stumbled over the line and got through it so i'd say that was probably my poorest as regards uh being prepared and 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 sometimes jackie i find i i was talking to a former intercounty footballer not so long ago and he said he never took the field 100%. He always had pain somewhere. And I'm just wondering, is it slightly more prevalent across the intercounty spectrum that nearly every intercounty player is going onto the field hurt in some, even if, it might only be a niggle, it might only be something really small. But I don't know if the general public are aware sometimes that amateur, these are people that have day jobs and they're actually going out onto the field a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And not a hundred not 100% healthy. I'd say it's more prevalent now because we had two, three, sometimes four weeks, sometimes even to an all semi semifinal, five or six weeks of a window. Now you've probably well, six days in some situations. If you're very lucky, you might have two or three weeks. You know, so I can imagine the knocks that they're carrying, the emotional baggage that they're carrying. They're trying to come down of one game, right? We yeah. need to get ready for, you know, Tipper coming to town next week. I often thought if I'd be hurling in this current scenario, if I was playing for Kilkenny, I would possibly take every Friday off to the round robin just to give myself that day, just to kind of chill out and relax. Or maybe a Monday, or I'd probably play around it. I'd have to take a day off work. You know, you play Sunday, you play Galway. Say, can you play Galway last Sunday? I might take Monday off just to down tools, relax, get my recovery right, and just mentally just to come down that I don't have to worry about work for that day. I would, that's what I would do. I don't know if any lads do that in the GA world, but I would feel I would need that to mentally just kind of come down off it for, for, yeah. for the day. Right. It's, uh, I suppose it's, again, uh, a lot of un- unintended consequences, given we've kind of put a professional sports calendar on an amateur game, which, again, look, it's an old hobby horse, so we won't go down that road. One last word before we go, Jackie, on Kilkenny heading up to Corrigan Park. And there is this notion, oh, tough place to go and all that. And it is an unusual, it is an unusual inter-county ground. But we don't necessarily see any real trouble for Kilkenny here, do we? I, I don't foresee it, Rory. Um, it, I think it's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's 30 years since these two, two teams last met in Championship. I think it was 1993. It was an all-air semi-final. I was there on, on, on the hill, sitting on one of those barriers with a very sore backside with, with a fog horn in my father's ear. But I think that was the last time I think Kilkenny ran out easy winners. Things have probably changed in Antrim since then, and they're an awful lot more competitive. But I'd expect Kilkenny to be a bit more, you know, I'd say their team, I'd say Derek is starting to find out things about his team. I think he found out an awful lot about Derek Corcoran last last week. And is it, by the way, Jackie, isn't it fantastic to see Mikey Carey back? No, oh, it's super. It's fantastic. great. It's great, yeah. great for Mikey. And he offers another, another dynamic to that team. So I expect Kilkenny to really go after this Antrim team. They'll be a bit kind of disgruntled after dropping that lead that they had last week. And I think that'll focus the minds in for Antrim. And I expect them to maybe win four or five points at least. Listen, Jackie, thanks a million. Thanks to Owen. That's look what's been a, look, it should be another really good weekend's hurling. I really looking forward to Saturday night for obvious reasons, but we'll be keeping an eye on everything. We'll be back again on Monday morning to review it all. Looking forward to what should be a, hopefully another cracking weekend in Munster and hurling, Munster and Leinster hurling championships. And I uh, just want to say thanks to Jackie. And when we come back, it's Kieran Whelan, David Tuberty on the provincial football finals. He hits it. He-
back with a bit of football now. Delighted to have uh, Kieran Whelan and David Tuberty from RT Sport and Sunday Game. And then obviously James McMahon from RT Online to kind of preview the provincial football finals uh, weekend and Sunday. Two massive games, Kerry Clare and Galway Sligo. Looking forward to both of them. But I think it would be remiss to not begin with a quick chat around the draw implications of and whether or not it will have any bearing on these two provincial finals on Sunday coming. In terms of the draw, Wheelo, what did you make of it? Well, I, I think, Roy, you definitely have to welcome it because, like, for years we've we've pushed to get to this format and there's definitely an element of excitement about it and, you know, like I tuned in on Tuesday. I think it won't have you know, to to see who was who was coming out of the pot when. So I think it's brilliant that we're finally at a stage where we have a kind of a new championship structure with novel type games. You know, home and away. Um, you know, and and loads to look forward to. So Ooh, I, I, don't I, don't I, mention the words. You say home and away. Don't mention the words. Mention the word. <laughs> uh, but but then but then when you look at the context of it, you know, and you're kind of going. You get a sense now that everyone just wants the provincial finals out of the way, so so we can get on with it. You know, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but that's kind of that's kind of the feeling you get. And it's very hard also to talk about the games when you're when the provincial finals are still outstanding because you know obviously there's strong favourites going into the next final. And everyone is assuming this and assuming that that mightn't necessarily be the way it unfolds. So it's it's while the draw is brilliant and there's definitely potential for massive games. Uh, you know, we're, we're still at that stage where you're trying to uh, evaluate who might be in with who. And uh, I still don't like, to be very honest, I still don't like the fact that, you know, we've we've a load of games to eliminate four people, four teams, four teams. And you're and you're basically playing. Teams are playing to top the group to get a week off, to get seconds to get home advantage. Do you know what I mean? And third go through and you could possibly draw a game and still get 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 out of your group. And. And I, 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 I fear that that's going to take a little bit of the excitement out of the group system uh, that 12 teams are qualifying from 16. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. But in the context of the groups, you know, group two looks, you know, you, you do have to strongly fancy Galway to come through and then Armagh, Derry, Tyrone, like unbelievable games. If 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 Kerry get over Clare, you know, you know, talk of May on the first game, you know, they're, they, they whet the appetite. If Loud beat Dublin, Dublin go into that group and it becomes a group of death. Um, you know, so there's there's loads of uh, permutations that can happen over the next couple of weeks. But but lo- like loads to look forward, but just a little bit skeptical that a lot of games just to eliminate four teams. And we're we're into we'll be we'll, we'll get into the provincial finals in a second, David, in relation to Kerry Clare particularly, but the Clare no. They're up against it. Let's be honest. You're playing the All Ireland champions, and it will be a tough task for them. But I'm sure they'll rise to that challenge, and we'll talk about that in a second. The reality is, the losers are heading into a team with three Ulster teams in that particular group. Does does that have any significance, or will that weigh on Column Column Collins' conscience heading into this game? Given the fact that, like, that's a really tough draw now, depending on who ends up losing this game on Sunday. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be very tough. Um, just say if Kerry get over the weekend, uh, Claire drop into that group at three. Um, I think the the Ulster teams will probably be sick of playing each other. They're always they're always coming up tough against each other the whole time, and there's no bit of leeway. Um, it's uh, Monaghan Donegal would have rather um to meet a, a Linster 
a Leinster Connacht or Munster team to just get a, get out of the Ulster Championship where they, they they seem to be meeting each other all the time. Um, but it is it is a tough one for Clare. Um, uh, we have I suppose we have played Donegal before, but uh, it was only in league a few years ago. Um, we we could have them in Cusick Park, which would be a massive advantage for Colin Collins, which would be huge uh, for Clare because. They are very strong in, in Cusick Park and you never know the, uh, the way Donegal are going at the moment. If they're, not, they're uh, losing it down, there'll be a team that would be uh, down in the dumps. But um, at the moment, uh, Colin will be looking at that draw and saying it's, it's, it's probably the toughest out of all of them for, for uh, Clare. The logistics involved in running a competition at this stage of the season, and I think maybe that probably feeds into a degree in relation to why they had to have the draw now, James, because mm. it's quite <clears> tricky <throat> for teams to organise themselves from, from what I hear. Mayo yeah. can't get Mayo can't get a hotel in Kerry anywhere for that game and have to stay in Limerick. Um which That's will give right, you yeah. which will give you an indication. And that might be mirrored somewhat up and down. So it's a huge undertaking. It's still in very much guinea pig mode. And what do you expect from it? Um, yeah, I mean, it is very much a guinea pig mode. I think the some of the venues for the games are going to be decided today. Um, I'm just wondering as well, Rory. Like, was it possible, you know, to have to have your provincial finals on Sunday week, and then to have a draw the following Monday for games to take place on the following Saturday and Sunday? So that probably was a tight turnaround. Um, for those games. This all sounds, I mean, I'm looking forward to some of the games. I mean, um, Kieran has pointed out some of the good games that are coming up in the next few weeks, but this is something that it's it's a bit like the qualifiers, the backdoor system back in 2001 in the first year. It was good, but there were a couple of tweaks made in the couple of years afterwards. So like say, for example, some teams were playing six days after they played in the provinces. So that was changed. So this is very much something that, like this is the new way, but I expect tweaks to this in 24, 25 and 26 uh, going forward. So, yeah, like, I mean, I do think the logistics, as well as that for fans as well, like, I mean, for the likes of Clare there and David, like, I mean, if Clare to play Donegal and Monaghan, I'm not sure which game is at home, but even like the travel involved, I mean, the cost of hotels. I mean, I, I think I heard one um, Donegal played Mayo, Mayo fans travelling up to Donegal in the league there and they stayed in Sligo overnight en route. There was something like a hotel room being close to €1,000. So, like, I mean, that's what you're up against um, as well. But to answer your question, yeah, look, I mean, I think there's going to be logistical issues all right. Um, but again, you know, again, go back to Kieran, like, I mean, 12 teams uh, to go through when you're playing, what is it, 24 games. So I, I think it's it's good what they're doing. It's what people want. It's what teams it's, it's what teams want more games. But I, I think it's going to require a bit of fine tuning on it over, over the next couple of years. One team that won't need uh, accommodation or need to figure anything out in relation <laughs> no, to it is, John. <laughs> <laughs> one team that won't need any accommodation and no travel expenses and nice low budget so that they can spend all their big fancy budget on their team is the dubs. And it's raised its head. <sighs> Look. I don't necessarily disagree with what Glenn Ryan said. And I think a lot of people might feel, yeah, like he he speaks the truth. 
you played in an era, Wheelow, actually. You straddled kind of both eras. You played, I mean, I think you played in championship matches down in Longford and you might have played in championship matches down the country when the dubs were on the road This in the pre-sort of, you know, permanent residency that is Croke Park now. And obviously then you played lots of matches in Croke Park as well. So you're probably best positioned to assess it in terms of yeah, the, like, per, the perceived advantages that Dublin have, but are they any different to what they've always had? Yeah, I think I think that's that's kind of the point. And we're on Sunday night, and 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 only saw a, a small bit of Glenn Ryan's interview. I didn't see the full piece really until kind of Monday, where he, there was a lot more broader type comments around some of the advantages and stuff like that. And I, and I, I certainly I would I, I like to be. Let's be fair about it. Of course, there's an advantage of Dublin playing in Crow Park. That would take a rocket science to work that one out. What the home advantage is called home advantage for a reason, you know, across all sports. So if Dublin are playing there eight, nine times a year, it's of course it's an advantage within the white lines of the pitch because, you know, Crow Park to me over the years, and I probably played, I'd say, a large majority, Rory. I was only six or seven games, well, maybe slightly more, but I'd say 80% of the games I played was in Crow Park. And Crow Park, I've said this before, is an intimidating stadium. It, it can either make you feel two inches taller or two inches smaller, depending on kind of how you're going at that time. And we had a lot of uh, good days and we kind of a lot of bad days. And it is, it's a difficult place to go if you're not used to that environment uh so absolutely i don't think anyone can disagree that by playing there regularly and winning there regularly you have a bit of an advantage however on the other side the little things you know i know i know glenn ryan was emotionally charged last week and if you're a manager and you've lost to dublin in big games you look for every little reason as to why you might have lost those games but I played there for the best part of 14 years and we were always in the same dressing room. We knew, we you knew the guys on the door. You always, you know, those comforts that come with a home advantage were always there. But it didn't make us put the ball over the bar. It didn't help us when we got on the pitch. You know what I mean? There's enough people in back rooms now of inter-county teams to deal with that sort of noise and that sort of psychological part. So I would say within the white lines, Absolutely, if you're playing there regularly, you do have an advantage. And it's not Dublin's fault. Dublin are always willing to travel. The Lancer Council place the fixtures there. They're happy to go on the road. So I don't think it, like it can be blamed on Dublin. But within the white lines, if you're playing there regularly, you do have an advantage. But some of the some of the little needless stuff, I don't think that comes into the equation at all. I think that's 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 just noise that has to be dealt with. And uh, I, I can't see anything in that because it certainly didn't benefit us for 10 14 years there was nothing that we were pointing to that was giving us that extra edge off the field you know we always that's the way it's always been you know what i mean so i think there's a little bit of balance needed that yes there's an acknowledgement there that it does benefit dublin in terms of home advantage but but it's gone a little bit far you then ask teams as well David I mean there's an inconsistency of approach here in terms of the narrative in that some teams and some managers will say that's exactly where we want to play them and the best place to beat Dublin is in Croke Park and rise to that challenge I mean I'm sure if you were to ask Mickey Hart uh, this morning okay we're going to take the Leinster final down to Port Leash so there's a good atmosphere he'll say good luck to you We're, we're heading for Croker so, Look, I don't know. Rory, just coming back on that, you mentioned Mickey Hart. I remember 
league games when we were due to play Tyrone away in league games and Mickey Hart, I think he was willing to give up home advantage to get the game in Club Park because he wanted to get that familiarity because his team were his team were going to contend there. Do you know what I mean? He wanted to get that extra game in Club Park. He was definitely one of the managers that 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 was always, you know, and again, every manager is different and every team is different and every team is operating at a different level. So it's probably different for some of the teams that wouldn't be that familiar with it. So, so apologies. I, I no, 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 it's just bad. It's, it's, like, it's great stuff. But the, that's the thing though, David, is not everybody would be of the same view on this. And a lot of people might feel quite happy to go in and play Dublin there. Yeah, I suppose um, I, I was I was, I was talking to a few, a few of our friends after the the draw was made the last day, and we we're just going on about uh, Dublin. They'll probably get to play if they get to our, our Ireland final this year. They'll probably get to play um, in Crow Park eleven times, and then Kerry, they'll they'll play in uh, if they get to the Ireland final is it three times they'll probably play. But like they say, Kerry, it's like a, a home pitch for Kerry as well when they travel up. They they want to, as you say, they want to play Dublin in Dublin and. It's a big, wide open pitch, and once you get over the line, it's 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 fifteen on fifteen. Like it's uh, you don't think about. I know Clint was talking about everything outside the outside the pitch, but once you get over that line on the day, you you forget about everything. Um, it's uh, I, no, I wouldn't. I've only played there a handful of times now in Crow Park, but a, every player in the country would love to play in Crow Park. Um, it's just an unbelievable feeling. Um, there's differences there from I suppose from my National League games when there was only a few thousand or the National League finals when there was only a few thousand to last year there uh, when I think there was about 20,000 20, people for the Derry game there last year the atmosphere is unbelievable and as any player you, you always want to play there and to beat to Clare we're unlucky this year we nearly we nearly pipped Dublin in Crow Park and um, it's just it's it's just a some pitch like so every everybody would love to get Dublin in Crow Park to, to, to beat them. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> well, two games that won't be played in Crow Park this weekend and they're on the way. Obviously, we're heading for uh, Galway, Mikhail Park for Galway Sligo. And we will start there, James, at first. And as a proud Sligo man, and yeah. there's there's a they're on a the bit of a quest of a wave, obviously, with lots of underage success and a first Connacht final appearance in eight years. Eight years, yeah. And uh, not being given too much of a chance. Do you buy that? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I don't expect Sligo to be lifting the cup at whatever time, <clears throat> half three on Sunday. But I would hope that, obviously, that they would give a good account of themselves. And listening to Tony McEntee after the win over New York, he was somewhat bullish. You know, the comments he was making about, like, you know, we're a team that are developing. We think we have some traits that would befit a team in the top tier. Um, I think Sligo have got decent forwards. Mm -hmm. I think they've got a couple of sturdy backs. And they've won nine games on the trot, Rory, and they've got the under-20 success as well. So there's a real feel-good factor in the county. But this is a big test. I mean, this is a this is a step up. Um, this is a team who are probably Galway second, third favourite for the All-Ireland. So what Sligo would be hoping for, I'm not sure whether they can go out and be swashbuckling. I hope they will be competitive in the game for as long as possible. And I hope they will leave with their, you know, with their heads relatively high after that game. Because they've still got three more games in the uh, round robin thereafter. They've got Kildare in Markovic Park if they lose 
coming up on the 21st of May. And I think they'll have a, they'll have a big welcome uh, in Kildare uh, in Markovich Park and they'll be short, be very hospitable and there'll be no carry on on, on, on the sidelines. So um, I'm hoping Sligo, yeah, that Sligo will give, will give a good account of themselves. Uh, whether they can, how they'll do against this vaunted Galway forward line. I mean, there's four or five players there that are just top class. Cormer had a brilliant game the last day. Even at the back, you know, even in defence, Galway are sturdy. They have a couple of new names to the team uh, this year. Um, I thought they were good against Roscommon. I can't say they were very good against Roscommon, but I thought they controlled that game for long stages. So it's a game I'm looking forward to. Um, It's a bigger pitch than Markovic, and it's, it's a pitch that I think will suit Sligo. So hopefully they'll give a good account of themselves. Early throw in two o'clock, McHale Park. Looking forward to it as well, Wheelo. It's the live game on RT. They're playing an All-Ireland semi-final on the Saturday against Kerry with their under-20s and they're playing a Connacht final against Galway on the Sunday. I mean, this is exactly where Sligo football would want to be, is it not? Absolutely. And, and like I think Sligo, they're, like they're really in bonus territory, if, if, if we'd be honest, you know. Um, and even when you look what's coming further down the line, like obviously... They got a great run in Division Four. Okay, you maybe have to put in context the two teams they're beaten so far in terms of you know New York and London, um, and, and so you have to you can't get too carried away with those that level of performance. But it's got them into a kind of final. I think if you look further down the line, if Dublin were to beat Loud and Sligo were to put in a decent performance but lose, the fair chance they'll have Dublin in a neutral venue, <laughs> um, you know, in a few weeks' time, and they're going to get three. Three, or three extra games in the championship. And in terms of the development and the pathway that McEntee has these on, that is worth its weight in gold to them. Uh, so, like, they're still, like, okay, he's in third year of his project, but they're very, very well conditioned. You know, they have a lot of quality up forward and the likes of Sean Carabine, Pat Spillane going really well, Niall Murphy and Patrick O'Connor inside. I've been impressed with Keane Lally as well. And mm. I think he's been very impressive. Um, you would expect Luke Towie and Brian Cox to sit in deep on front to try and protect the full back line. I think Tony McEntee will there will be an aspect of trying to stay competitive and keep them in this game at Galway. Um, but I like I, ultimately like Galway for me are just operating just at a different level, have been all year. Um, Joyce has them in a really good place. We know they're probably the best defense in the country. To me, they're the best team in control of possession. Uh, they don't give away many turnovers. They're excellent at that. Uh, they were very good against Roscommon the last day in, in terms of controlling the game. So I think it's a step too far for Sligo and I think it's about a performance. It's trying to try a reasonable performance that will give them something going into that group stage. But they, like, to me, they're in bonus territory there and, and it's, it, it's brilliant for Sligo football, as you say. Look at the 20s tomorrow coming in against Kerry and that game is not... They don't oh, do. That's a 50 50. That's, that's yeah. a 50 50 game. Yeah, because. So, so they're in it. Yeah, in a really good place. But I think, like, let's be honest, Sunday's or Sunday's going to be yeah. a step too far, I think, in, in terms of the, the scene. But even Rory, that under 20 team side, I think, I think it's a much better team that won Connacht last year. Uh, you know, I thought there was a bit of a smash and grab in the way they beat Mayo, but I was really impressed with the way they beat Galway this year in the Connacht final. So if, if it was Galway playing tomorrow against Kerry, it would probably be a 50 50 game in the eyes of 
most people. Also as well, Kieran, I think if Sligo were to beat Kildare in their opening round robin game, I mean that would they'd still be in the race going going to play Dublin at that yeah. neutral venue. So the, I suppose that's one of the good things about this new format. It, at least a team is, is still in it to the last game make, if they try, win the first you, game. To, uh, everyone in with a shout to make to the last twelve and. Yeah. Uh, James is talking, and I'm not going to uh, characterize it as defeatist language and assuming that Sligo lose. And Wheelow mentioned, David, that Galway are operating at a different level. No, Galway are operating at a different level to nearly everybody. But is this a bit of a, as provincial finals go, a bit of a lose-lose for Joyce in that the classic lose-lose, you win the game easily? Ah, sure. You're a you were expected to, you win a tight one, you probably get criticism for not putting a big enough score on them. And then you might also run the risk of picking up a couple of injuries to a couple of key players with the round robin coming down the tracks. So is it a tricky one for Joyce to sort of manage all of that? Um, it is, yeah. It's it's a tough one. I suppose they won't be playing until is it two weeks after that again. Um, it's going to be, it's, I suppose... It'll probably be a physical game. Sligo will want to get stuck into him early on, um, and the way the way is, um, sorry, Galway are playing at the moment. They're they are they're, I, I at the start of the year I always thought Mayo was Mayo was a team to do, but watching Galway over the last couple of weeks, their their strength in numbers, their strength, their size across the pitches is, is is ridiculous. And Tierney, Peter Cook, you've John Maher, you've Conroy. Um, you've got four or five big physical players across the pitch, which um, which is, will stand them. Um, Johnny Heaney as well. Then this, you have the strength inside the full forward line with Comer and Walsh and Ian Burke. But um, it's 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 tough. It's it's tough for uh, Galway. Um, just I just going back to the years when we were with Clare, we got promoted to the first game, and then we went on to we won our first game in the Munster Championship. And then we drew Kerry in the first game. Um, and I suppose it was along the same lines. You want to give a good account to yourself. You want to keep keep the score down as much as you can and give Kerry a, a game a game of it. But it is a massive lift for Sligo to get three extra games in the championship after this. Um, I just see a lot of teams um, talking about Chalton Cup and would Sligo not be better off? Or Clare would have to be better off in the in the Chalton Cup? Would they be get better games? Um, it's not. It's you want to be playing the top teams, and you you learn from the top teams. Like we down through the years, we've always learned off Kerry, Cork, uh, the style of football. And as you as you move up the divisions, you you learn about defensive structures and forward structures, and um, like and it, it will stand. And McEntee will bring this uh, Sligo team along. Um, and it's just it's it's a tough one at the weekend. But I think mm. the Galway players will. They will give it a good go and you never know like they'd be thinking like if we get to 50 minutes and there is a scoreline up there they might be might be able to ease off a few players but and it's just it's 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 a tough one for for mm. guys as in what's what's i mean obviously back-to-back kind of championships i don't think galway have done that for quite a while Wheelo. but if he was sitting down on a monday morning and he was going, look, that was absolutely, these were all the good aspects of winning yesterday. What would he be looking for? Um, I think he's he's looking for a bigger contribution probably from maybe his forward line. I think they're, I think they're very solid at the back. We know that. We know they'd be very structured. They'd be very organized. 
But if you if you look at Galway's performances, um, you know, even going back to the Derry game last year, Coma carried them, you know, Shane Walsh came to the fore in the final. Um, Comer kind of the last day kind of really dragged them through against Ross Common. And he probably looking for Matt Tierney was brilliant during the league, but you know, gone a little bit quiet in the championship. The likes of Rob Finity, Tom O'Callaghan. Uh, he's probably looking for a little bit more from his forward line in terms of pitching in and getting scores. Um, I, 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 that would be where standing back and looking. I, I, I think like you're, you'd expect Galway to pull up a reasonably big score. And I think it's just trying to build that confidence of those players in that forward line that they're getting a little bit more from everybody collectively up front because from one to nine, you know, they're 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 going they're we know they're going to be solid. And Mar has been a revelation in the middle of the park, and then Cook kind of drops into that space as well. So yeah, I I, I think up front, uh, and and particularly, you know, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, Rory, even that maybe the Shane Walsh role that he, you know getting him at that edge of the D, getting him in those positions to actually take guys on in the right position of the field rather than out on the sidelines and stuff like that. And and may, maybe just working on that structure in the forward line. I think that, that's what he'd be looking to get out of the game. Looking ahead then, obviously the bigger game on Sunday, uh, from your point of view, certainly David, is <laughs> Kerry Clare and a first Munster final under... Cullum Collins and the first Munster final for Clare since 2012, is it? Are we going back to 11 years? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so back it's to Cork. Back, yeah, back to Cork in 2012. You were probably playing that day, I would imagine. It was that. Yeah. It was in the Gaelic. That was the Gaelic rounds as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah One so, and only. Yeah, I, like, I, I think, look, the, the venue, there was a little bit made about the venue. I don't necessarily think the venue was that big a deal, really. And um, both counties would be quite familiar with it. And I think, look, there should be a reasonably good crowd. But what's the mood like, do you sense now down in, like, so Quilty and Milltown Malbane or all around your direction? Big football, Heartland declared that it is. And the big jewel county in Munster, according to Kieran Shannon, now the number one jewel <laughs> county in the, in the province. What's the mood like ahead of Sunday and the challenge now that obviously, uh, the Clare team are going to face taking on the All Ireland champions in a in a Munster final. Well, at the moment, I'm I'm like a plague. To, nobody will talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get any inside info or anything of like that at the moment. But um, there's a great buzz. Um, just seen here in the village in Doombeg, we've we've flags out on all the poles and uh, um, just flags everywhere. It's uh, everybody, everybody's talking about it, and hopefully now we can we can get everybody. Uh, all over the county to uh, come out and support the footballers on Sunday because um, they deserve it. And the way Colin Collins has done his job over the last 10 years now has been phenomenal. Um, and we just hope that everybody can get out on Sunday. It's going to be it's going to be a really tough game. You're playing the All-Ireland champions. Um, but I, I think the two games against Cork and Limerick will stand to Clare. I don't think Kerry got much out of, out of Tipperary and Clarny. Um but it's it's the two games will stand to them. Two close games, two hard fought games. Uh, they did pick up a few injuries the last day. Uh, hope I know Dara Bohannon. Uh, he's not even down to start. Or he's not even on the panel the next day. He's going to be a massive loss for Clare. Um, and then you have a few injuries, last minute injuries that they picked up against Limerick the last day, which is which is going to be tough because it's it's uh, the bench is getting a bit thinner uh, uh, as it goes along. Uh, we know what Kerry are going to bring. They're going to be. They're gonna they're gonna put everything into Jack O'Connor. He's gonna he's named the strongest panel he's probably have. Oh, yeah. So he's he's not taking it lightly, and he wants to get a good performance out of Kerry uh, going into the 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 qualifying stages of the of the 
a championship as well and he wants to get good games into him and match practice for him as well so it's 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 going to be a tough one uh hopefully Claire can keep it tight for the first for the first 10 15 minutes um and just try and get control of the ball just mind the ball and uh, possessions have been a downfall for Clare at the mo- turnovers turnovers have been, uh, in Limerick and the, and the Cork game have been have been terrible uh, they have to cut that back to big time especially playing against Kerry and they're shooting as well they're shooting the wides they've kicked over the last two games if I think they've 15 kicked against Cork or 15-16 and then they've another 12-13 against uh, Limerick the last day so um, they'll have to sharpen up on that if if, if they don't it, it's, uh, the game could get away from them and uh, you know Kerry they won't they won't ease up. They'll put the foot down and they'll, they'll try and finish you off as quick as they can. Kerry have been slightly hidden away, Wheelow, in that we, you know, they had a patchy enough league campaign. They lost all their away games. <clears throat> Did really seem to nonplussed about it. And we, they're obviously heading into a monster final now where, you know, people don't really, people are kind of, where are Kerry? I, and yeah, I was just... I, it's interesting, you could have said the exact same comments there about Dublin, you know, Patchy League, you know, exact same, very, very similar. And I think that might be something the player can take going into this game, that they they have a couple of games under their belt, a couple of tough, really competitive games. You know, Kerry were, like the Tipperary game was 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 of no benefit to them, similar to Dublin and Leash. And, and you know, I'd say Clare will be hoping that Kerry are just, maybe a little bit off it or like, you know, coming into the game or even a little bit complacent or whatever. And because Clare are, are, are operating at a different level to Tipperary and they have that solid defensive structure and they have quality forwards, you know. I know David's gone, but you've still have Emmett McMahon, Keelan Sexton, Owen Cleary, like up front, guys that can get scores and, and won't be afraid to go at the Kerry defence. So I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. You're right, Kerry, we're still waiting for last year's Kerry to turn up really uh, but they haven't really been asked any question yet and uh, they're back at full strength so it's 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 for me it's it's about Claire getting a bit of early energy uh, and a bit of confidence and being able to develop a bit of self-belief in that first 20 minutes that they can p- compete with Kerry if you were to be critical of 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 Claire you know, one maybe maybe sometimes they they tend to raise their game for the stronger teams, but can still drop down a level in the weaker teams. Like Limerick had a goal chance that could have they could have nearly beaten them. Um, and you know when they're playing against other weaker teams uh, like Cork. Um, <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Milo. I was waiting. <laughs> but uh, no, like obviously against Cork, that was as I said, they raised their game because that was that was a big game against Dublin. They raised their game, you know. So you're you'd be hoping that Clare get an extra 20 percent out of themselves because they're going to need it and, and get some energy from that 20, 25 minutes. But it's still going to be a very, very difficult task in terms of the quality that 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 Kerry will have. And if, if Kerry, you know, if Kerry get a run on them at all, you know, Kerry how devastating they can be. So it's it, it is a tough task for Clare. But I, again, similar to Sligo, you know, I think Clare are obviously in a better position. They've operated at a higher level, so. Um, I think Claire will get closer. I think this would be maybe five, six point game. Mm. Yeah. And it will give Jack O'Connor a, a, certainly the best test that he could have asked for in Munster, given the powerless state of Cork uh, and their recent 
trajectory, which, you know, look, yeah. that's that's another day's story. But I think from a, a Kerry perspective, James, one of the things that I'm fascinated by is Jack O'Connor. I think he's quietly underappreciated to a certain extent in how brilliant a manager he actually is. I mean, I, I do people don't realize he's going for his fifth All-Ireland across three different management stints. Yeah. The only box that he didn't really tick as a manager uh, was put back to backs. And he had his opportunities, obviously, in 05. And he had another chance, I think, in 2010 when they went out and at quarterfinal stage. That's but, right, down. Yeah. But like, he's in a rarefied group. To win four All Irelands as a manager, you're right up there with some of the most successful managers of all time, the most successful managers of all time. And I often wonder, is he even really appreciated within Kerry? I find him a fascinating character and he's at a much more mature stage of his career. And I'm just wondering, in terms of him being the wily old fox that he is, has he kind of mapped Kerry's pathway to this year's All Ireland slightly different, knowing the proliferation of games that they're going to have to navigate to get back to yeah. <clears throat> yeah I mean I suppose look I mean you could say that this year's championship it's a bit like the entry Grand National and we've probably just now crossed the Melling Road but we still have Beechers and the Canal Turn and all that to take and like Kerry like Kerry didn't do a whole pile during the league uh, you know they, they as you said they kind of slipped slip through it quietly. I mean, you know, uh, with no disrespect to Clare, I, I, even though I think Clare will obviously give Kerry a tougher a tougher ask than uh, than Tip did. I mean, Kerry v Mayo in two weeks' time, I mean, that's going to be their first test. I mean, Kerry, like other teams, like Dublin, like Galway, like possibly Mayo, like possibly Tyrone, are looking really at the 2nd of July, that weekend where we have the All-Ireland quarterfinals. That's where you probably hit the uh, what's the call you hit the elbow in the Grand National and your and the finishing line of the All Ireland final itself is just about you know a bit ahead of you and all that, but yeah, I mean going back to O'Connor, I mean even when he took the job in the fact that he didn't play for Kerry, I don't know was there some resentment down in the kingdom that uh, Jack wasn't one of us that he, you know he didn't play uh, and all that. But look, when Jack comes into a job like he did when he came in in 04 and then when he came back again, he won the All Ireland, he won the league. Last year he came back, he won the All Ireland and he won the league. And I suppose it would be the final box for him to tick if he could do this back to back. Um, you know, all Ireland, which which he hasn't done, and of course it was Tyrone who scuppered them in 05 and then down of all teams who who um, scuppered them in in ten. Yeah, I mean, I would put him up there definitely with the with the likes of Sean Boyle, with the likes of Hart, with the likes of Heffernan going back in in, in the day. I mean, he's a top. Um, I think he's mellowed a bit as well as uh, as a person, which which you know can help as well. I can give you a better perspective on things, but definitely, yeah. I mean, he he he's up there in one of the top three or four managers in the association. What do you think, Wilo? Just uh, in terms of his stature in the game now at this stage, would you think that there is maybe a final realisation? This is one of the greatest managers we've ever seen. He's up there with all those names that James has mentioned. Yeah, he's a serial winner, I think, you know. Uh, and, you know, even to go back to his early success and, you know, you know, even two two thousand and nine was probably one of his better All Irelands. You know that a, he, a painful one. 
the painful one. Kerry weren't going well. They were struggling. The discipline issues, you know, probably wasn't getting on with senior players. You know, that was probably the challenging one and was able to, you know, turn that round and and, and, and deliver in All-Ireland. And, 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 and when he came back last year, you could see he came back with intent from that first McGrath Cup game. He was developing a winning culture and a win, winning habit. And naturally, there's always a little bit of a hangover after after All Ireland, and that's probably the that's probably the biggest concern probably in the kingdom. In that that you know, Kerry went through a lot of hurt, probably more at the expense of Dublin over the last uh, six, seven, eight years. And, and you know, apart from uh, Eamon Fitzmaurice's year, hadn't had much success, and they got over the line last year. And naturally, there's a bit of a hangover there, and probably a small bit of vulnerability there. Um, that other teams will look to prey on. So, and, and that's the bit we don't know. We don't know our Kerry back and fine-tuned where they were last year. We don't know that yet because they have, no one has really asked them that question. But, you know, to, the original question, absolutely, Jack O'Connor is a serial winner and and and, and nobody can deny that. To, to be able to come back and do it a few times, you know, in different generations and bring new teams uh, to the well again, that's not luck. That's you know there's 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 more to that than than that's not winning lucky all Ireland. That's a seriously talented manager. Oh, we know about losing those types of finals as well to Jack mm-hmm. O'Connor. And uh, listen, lads, thanks very much. A brilliant weekend to look forward to. Should be two really good games on their own merits. I'm not going to ask people for predictions because I think, in fairness, I'm sure you're hoping for a result more so than predicting one, David. So we won't put you on the spot. Look, it is the two teams that were in last year's All-Ireland Finals coming yeah. up against two teams that, you know, look, would are, it'll be a challenge. It'll be a challenge, but let's hope for two competitive games. Yeah. Just want to thank everybody. Those two matches, by the way, are live on RT2. Half one coverage begins, or maybe quarter past one RT2, two o'clock. Is Galway Sligo and four o'clock to um, Rory and one forty-five? Is it? Is it okay? Yeah, very good. One forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for, oh, of course, with extra time penalties. Extra time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they built that in just in case. Yeah. And then yeah. four, four o'clock, Kerry Mayo, and they're both live on RT two on Sunday. Art the Sunday game is live, obviously on Sunday night, half nine. And they'll review the best of the weekend's action. Thanks to Kieran, thanks to David, thanks to James, thanks to Jackie and Owen for earlier. We'll be back next Monday morning with a review of the weekend. And until then, thanks very much for listening. And Slán August Bannock. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the ball!